0: Welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock.
1: And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs.
0: Well, we're here.
2: Uh, It's, it's, well, Thursday probably for those of you listening.
0: Wednesday for us. Uh, I, I like this studio, guys. I do too. I think it's uh, it makes me feel like I'm a podcaster. Yeah, yeah.
1: Even though you aren't. No,
0: <laughs> I'm just I'm a fake. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like your shirt. Thanks. You. My can... mom got this for me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> at Walmart. Wow. Yeah, we're at Walmart now.
2: No. Where where can you
0: actually get that shirt, Ryan? You could get this shirt by being a supporter. ...of the show on Patreon. mundo. So... I passed.
2: There's three tiers. Okay. Tier one. That's $3 a month. You get the after show. Uh, we reacted to the God's Not Dead 4 trailer last week. A lot of fun. Tier two. You get the after show and a once-a-month podcast called Theology Thursday Reading Hour, where we discuss books that we're reading. And then, tier three... Which is I don't remember. Ooh, there's three six, might be nine. Did I?
0: You get to go to lunch with the theology Thursday. Whoa. that's four hundred dollars a month. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the, but but
2: the tier three, you get the merch too. So things like the t-shirts. Um, we're we're doing mugs soon. We're also the the t-shirts. Um, we will do a new design once we run out of these so sign up let's 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 do it you can you can have both it's gonna be great
1: best
0: of both worlds you might say like uh that one hannah montana song
2: i I think i still have 80 prints left of this so we got a lot to go through (laughs) we we need some patrons. Um, no, but your support, genuinely, it does help us to continue doing what we're doing, and, and hopefully to, to continue doing it better and better. So, thank you to those uh, who have been supporting us, and and yeah, sub points. Let us begin. This week's sub point um, is about a another Christian movie that's coming out. Okay, so we discussed God's Not Dead. Um last week on the after show, uh, this week, I wanted to discuss uh, the documentary that's coming out called The Jesus Music. Okay? And so this uh, is a documentary basically uh, chronicling the history of contemporary worship music. Oh, contemporary be, christian music that'll be interesting so it it kind of starts around the hippie movement and the jesus movement that came out of that you know a lot of calvary chapel churches kind of came out of that and that was kind of where it started the idea of the contemporary worship of oh let's use like drums and electric guitars and whoa, worship. whoa 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 and so they're interviewing like Res Band, which is an old one, uh, then you, you got like Michael W. Smith, Chris Tomlin. All these guys are actually getting like interviewed, and then they're going back and kind of going through the history. So I do want to see this movie. I'm interested. I love documentaries, um, but I'm a little skeptical because it is produced by k Love. So uh, uh, I feel like there's a kind of sus. <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of a bias going in. Um, but I can't tell. I mean, it looks... There's some people involved in it, like Lecrae and people like that, that I, I feel like have a little bit higher standards. Like, they're not going to be a part of something that they feel misrepresents history. Yeah. Um, and so I'm hoping that it's honest with maybe some of the darker aspects of the Christian music industry, maybe some of the darker motives, I should say.
0: Ooh. Um, uh, not... So maybe they are going to reveal <clears throat> the Chris Tomlin uh, factory
2: maybe there's there's one part in the trailer where toby mac is like i've never told anybody this before and it's like what? And
0: he like, knows
2: toby mac accidentally ripped one of the chris tomlin robots arm off yeah no so they're that, not robots they're yeah they're clones. actually clones like yeah, star wars yeah okay so toby mac walked in on the the test tubes or yeah. something uh <laughs> like, that so- looks like a baby tomlin <laughs> <laughs> um and then he stole one. Maybe he <laughs> has one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, he's like raising, a like, Tomlin. maybe he's been raising. Maybe he's <laughs> been raising a baby Tomlin and that's what he's gonna reveal. He's like, Hey this... guys, I wanna take you to my penthouse. I'm gonna show you something I've never shown anybody.
1: <laughs> this is baby Tomlin Jr. He's
0: got <laughs> oh, <that's so> it. <laughs> um
2: anyway, I feel that maybe it's not gonna be uh, you know honestly critical of like maybe some of
0: the yeah do of, do we really think k-love would be critical of contemporary christian music right
1: i don't know i think there's a hell. i don't know that he would be okay i mean it's part of his like <laughs> oh, bread and butter but k-love's not
2: a person johnny <laughs> Caleb radio, it's uh it's like Christian radio. It's like I'm just hey, Caleb up. has feelings too. Don't <laughs> dehumanize him. Okay, sorry. Okay. Alright. She he they them <laughs> it's not a person. It's, not... it's an organization.
1: You don't know who a person is. What is a person? <laughs> oh boy. I always thought <clears throat> that Caleb was both a station and a DJ no. for some reason. No, I think no. you just made that up. I did. It, I mean, obviously, it just I just materialized that in my head. <laughs> but I just always thought, hey, it's Love coming at you in the morning.
0: Maybe you've developed some kind of like parasocial relationship <laughs> with Caleb, like through <laughs> listening to Caleb. You're like you've developed this persona of Caleb.
1: Yeah, I think I have. Yeah, yeah. Either way, what I'll tell you that is this. Um there is a way to appreciate music written for the church and still be honest about some of the harsh aspects of it.
2: Yeah, there's no question that this film is made to celebrate. Right, You okay. know, But that doesn't mean that they can't be critical with that. Right. You know, um, so I'm hoping, I, I'm interested to see it, you know. We'll see. See what happens. We'll see. Uh, not a very interesting subpoint, point, but it's there, you know. Yeah. Go go see the Jesus music. They, it's giving us plenty of stuff to talk about though when these films
1: actually come out. It's you know?
0: called Jesus Music. What's it called? Jesus The Jesus The Jesus Music. The Jesus music.
1: Well just continue to pray for K Love and his ministry.
0: <laughs> for just a
2: dollar a day. You <laughs> could support a baby Chris Tomlin. <laughs> So, so did Toby Mac find a way to keep his Chris Tomlin clone an infant?
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess, Bill, because he, he was taken from the factory, I guess he couldn't receive the necessary sustenance to grow into a fully formed just, Chris Tomlin. I just imagine,
1: like, a rather large baby with a fully grown man head, yeah. you know, yeah, like, you know, of Chris Tomlin. <laughs> That's what I imagine. And he's like, goo goo. <laughs> Sorry, this is getting ridiculous.
0: Okay.
2: So today <laughs> we are going to talk about Christian Zionism. Ooh. It's totally
1: non controversial. Woo,
2: so Zionism. We'll start there. Um Zionism is actually I was surprised to find fairly recent
0: oh, yeah. ideology.
2: Oh
1: man.
0: Yep. Yeah. Zionism there's Zionism and then there's Christian Zionism. Interestingly enough, Christian Zionism actually comes before Zionism. But to to put it, just to get the definitions out there, Zionism is a national movement for the uh, return of the Jewish people to their homeland and the resumption of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel. So it's this national movement to get Jewish people back in Israel and to establish Israel as a sovereign uh, state. So that's Zionism, and then Christian Zionism has a religious twist on this. Uh, Christian Zionism is, uh, is well, it's it's Christian support for Zionism. But where the religious aspect comes in is is that Christian Zionists are much more interested in the uh, in the in the prophetic fulfillment of Israel at the state of Israel a Christian Zionists view the establishment of the state of Israel as a as a fulfillment of prophecy and that God is is uh, using the state of Israel to fulfill his purposes here on earth so that's the religious twist of uh, Zionism but as Connor said Zionism is a recent development in history If we think about the church over the course of 2,000 years, we know that the church has generally been very anti-Jew, okay? We think about, for example, we we hear about Martin Luther, and you know, what did Martin Luther say about the Jews? Martin Luther didn't like the Jews a lot, and he he wrote some very anti-Semitic stuff about the Jewish people. So for most of Christian history, Christians have been very anti-Jew. In the in the seventeenth century we see the rise of the Puritans, and actually we see an interesting development with the Puritans, with their eschatology. They become they become well, they are postmillennial. And if you're wondering what postmillennialism is, we did a few episodes on eschatology. The basic premise is that the world gets better, the world becomes more Christian, and then Jesus returns the second coming. And in the post millennial view, uh, many Puritans believed that at the end of time there would be a mass conversion of Jewish people. Now that's not Zionist. That's that's what this that might be what we could call a proto Zionism because what, what developed from that idea was that many, many Puritans, many reformers believed that uh, the that Jewish people would become Christian, and then the, the, a very natural result of that is that they would establish a nation for themselves. So that's, that's a kind of proto-Zionism. And then in the, in the 19th century, this develops more in Europe. What happens in Europe is, in European history, particularly in the 19th century, there is a lot of turmoil right there's there's wars we know about Napoleon Napoleon's taken over half of Europe uh, there's all these revolutions and what does that do to eschatology we know that in eschatology many people they interpret their eschatology by the current events and so in Europe in the 19th century there is a return to a historic premillennialism and with that there there there's more interest in in the prophetic fulfillment of Israel, and and there's more interest in Israel itself, and and this is this is also emphasized because of that market revolution. There's more travel. Uh, there are tourists to Israel. You could go visit Israel now, and so and there's a lot of literature about Israel, and so there's a lot of interest in Israel uh, from the Christian perspective, and uh, this. Um, by the way, you guys can stop me at any time. I don't want to be lecturing here. No, I like it. Okay, excellent, excellent.
2: This is good setup.
0: Uh, there's a lot of Christian interest in Israel because of this theological development, this this return to historic premillennialism, and uh, and it, but it's still tied to this idea that the Jewish people will convert to Christianity, because historic premillennialism is still well, it's not, it's not dispensationalism, and that's, we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, and what happens in Europe, and this, this bleeds over into America, is this actually bleeds into the politics. And now, and now we're hearing politicians advocate for, this kind of, uh, for some kind of proto-Zionism, this desire to see the Jewish people have their nation. And then we get to dispensationalism. And dispensationalism, I guess, I don't know what, Johnny, you have prepared for this discussion. Uh, I don't know if you have anything about dispensationalism itself. But dispensationalism changes the game for Christian Zionism. Dispensationalism was developed in the mid uh, to late uh, 19th century, most notably a dude who really, I guess you could say, founded it was John Nelson Darby. Uh, he was uh, he was in Europe and uh, he wrote several books about it, uh, and then we know about uh, Cyrus Schofield. If you're familiar with the Schofield uh, Reference Bible, uh, that comes into in play in the 20th century, but it's very influential for uh, distributing ideas about dispensationalism for spreading dispensationalism throughout the country through Europe and through year Euro- uh, America and dispensationalism becomes very popular and to break down dispensationalism very do you have anything on this by the way no no, no,
1: no I mean not yet no okay I,
0: okay to break down dispensationalism very quickly this dispensationalism really requires a whole episode of its own um, but to just break it down very quickly It's a hermeneutical framework for how we understand the Bible. Dispensationalism... Frameworks
2: for understanding things, sorry.
0: Uh. (laughs) Yeah, like some other things that we uh, have.
2: Sounds
1: very immoral. Sounds like you're using your noggin there, son. Uh
0: Uh-oh, that's a problem. (laughs) So dispensationalists believe that the Bible is separated into a certain amount of dispensations. A dispensation is quite simply a period of time and so dispensationalists believe that we could understand the Bible as as several different dispensations in which God works differently with different people and so uh, the early dispensationalists like Darby and Schofield and whatnot they generally said there were seven different dispensations in the Bible Seven different times in which God has a different plan for different people. That's a very simplistic understanding of dispensationalism, and I'm sure some dispensationalists out there would be like, you're misrepresenting me. Uh, We could talk about that later. But just very (laughs) simply put, that's how it is. God works differently. He has different plans for different people. And so that means that God has a different plan for Israel. Than he does for the church, I I don't know if I'm speaking for myself or if I'm speaking for both Johnny and Connor here, uh, but I believe that the church is the true Israel, and so there's a big difference here in interpretation. There's a there's a whole different framework at work at here in in coming to the text and. Yeah.
2: Just real quick, I want to note like, I'm, I'm just kidding. You, know, I'm kidding. you have Go some ahead. great stuff. I, I just this is probably all I I can contribute <laughs> to the conversation, so I want to do it. Um, the reason that this is problematic, and that I felt it it, it was well, well, I, I think you're going to get into to, to why it it could be problematic. The reason that I wanted to bring this up is let let's just give some practical examples of like how this bleeds over into modern American thought. I mean, for one, now. You have Christians who think that any politician who is pro-Israel is pro-Christian and they want to go for that person um, as if for some reason America should be giving them special precedence. And, uh, I,
1: and I think those politicians know that, too. Right, they're, so they're, they're using that to cater
2: to, you know, evangelicals who, who think this way Um But I also seen even more recently with with more current events, it it lead to this really like blind and like unwavering support for Israel. Um, In the case recently where Israel was was going into Palestine and taking land that it it claimed as their own land, Mm -hmm. Um, much of it according to scripture saying like this is our land. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, because God has given it to us, and going in and displacing innocent people in another country. Yeah, and immediately most Christians were like, "Well, yeah, I mean, it is the land that God has given to them, so yeah, that's their right to do that." When in reality, it's not a good thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so this is where it bleeds over into like modern day. Is that I think it it. it there's this hyper-focus and this, and oftentimes a blind and unhealthy, like, blind support
1: for Israel. Yeah. Um, and part of that, too, I, my understanding of what I was told growing up is, you're, you're going to want to be on Israel's side when the Lord comes back, or else you're going to be in trouble. Right. Yeah. You know? Right.
2: Well, and, and and that comes from Tim LaHaye and all these right. different things. <laughs> um, and also to, to look to Israel for signs of the end times. Like, when people start going against Israel, then... Uh, you know, you better watch out because that means the Lord's coming back. And that event and the other thing that was kind of came out of a lot of that Tim haste, I was like that that eventually all the nations would turn against Israel. Um and so there was this emphasis on America protecting it, but it's like, well, even according to this framework, eventually America's gonna turn on them too, right?
1: Well, yeah, I mean according <laughs> to that theology they should, but there's a lot of people who say, Well, no, we're gonna we're going to stand we're going to be the the only people that stand with israel yeah. which, we're the exception which, to the rule which by the
2: way has no theological precedent like i mean that that doesn't even logically carry through in their right theological framework there's Look, no reason for that except that you like america
0: yeah i want to finish my history lesson yeah here. i'm sorry All right,
2: All right. i just I, I wanted to point that out that there's some modern applications of this that, absolutely
0: you know, so 19th century dispensationalism becomes very popular and there's a growing interest in in the idea of an of a Jewish nation uh, even among politicians ironically enough Napoleon was the first politician to propose a sovereign Jewish state even though uh, Napoleon was an atheist uh, but that's just a little factoid for you so the 19th century is very formative for this and then in the 20th century three big things happen the first one is the Balfour declaration we so during World War one every in World War one everybody was fighting okay um, and the Middle East the Palestinian region we know it now today uh, was controlled by the Ottomans and Britain at this time Britain and France were very interested in the Middle East for for economic reasons and so the uh, Britain makes a promise to uh, the Arabs in the Palestinian region. He, he, the Britain promises you all could uh, you all could t- could self-govern. OK, that's the first promise that Britain makes. And then Britain does an old switcheroo and goes to France and says, you know, after World War One, that area, it's gonna be kind of an international area, and then you, France, and me, we will like split up uh, pal- uh, Palestine, and you guys could kind of have control over one area, we got control over the other area. So that's the second promise that Britain makes, and then comes the Balfour Declaration. That's in 1917. This is this was uh, written by Arthur Balfour, and he says this is a this is an official statement from Britain that he develops is that. We are going to be committed to creating a sovereign Jewish state. We are committed to getting the Jews to Israel. And so after World War I, in the Middle East and in many developing countries, we have what's called mandate states. And mandate states were uh, states that were created by the allied powers Uh, that kind of function as allied colonies. So this this is a whole history lesson here that's probably not necessary. But the Allied Powers believed that people should be able to govern for themselves, but they needed help along the way. So these Allied Powers, like America and and Great Britain, would have control over these colonies in these developing countries as they, they develop for themselves. So with the Balfour Declaration, Britain uh, has control over Palestine after World War I, and it becomes like a British colony. And during this time, huge amounts of Jewish people migrate to Palestine. And we know that in this process, as, as the Jews come into Palestine, the Palestinians are pushed out. In nineteen, so this is the, the second big event. In nineteen forty-eight, this this mandate ends. So Britain has to pull away from the, this region, and so when they pull away, this is this is a huge point here. When they pull away, this is when Israel becomes a state. Nineteen forty-eight and that that's huge for we know when we in in for many zionists like this is the moment right right this when 1948 like this is when israel became a state like this is like the beginning of i pro- don't know pro- <laughs> prophecy, prophecy fulfilled yeah, yeah exactly
1: <laughs> that was that was their take on it and i just want to go ahead and go on the record at saying that um, there were there were a lot of of course like political reasons behind that but there there was this um, urgency because there were J- Jewish people coming out of concentration camps mm-hmm. that had no place to go. Yes. You know, they, they didn't have any living family um, from where they were from. And um, it, really, this for all of its flaws, func- uh, it had some really good things in terms of functioning as basically a refugee program yeah. for displaced it's, Holocaust survivors. Here's,
0: here's the thing about Middle Eastern affairs – it's very complicated. It's
1: very messy, but I would say that, like, just as like, in terms of human dignity and stuff like that, the refugee aspect of the establishment of Israel was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it 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 doesn't hurt for those people to have their own space yeah. in the sure. world. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, and I don't think we're we're trying to give any commentary on the current. Uh, the current affairs in the Middle East. I am not a scholar in Middle Eastern affairs, uh, and so surely I'm not qualified to make statements about what they should or shouldn't do. Um, I'm just giving you the history here. Uh, So that's the second big thing. Israel becomes an actual state in 1948. And then the third big thing is 1967 is the six day war uh, that Israel has with this Arab coalition. And this is also huge, because in the Six-Day War, what Israel does is Israel manages to take back control of all of Jerusalem. Now, this is another moment for Zionists, where it's like, this is fulfillment right here. They have taken back control of Israel. And uh, this is 1967, is really when Christian Zionism becomes huge in America. This is when this is when we begin to see these uh, all these U.S. presidents suddenly become very pro-Israel. They had been pro-Israel in the past. There's been there had been they had supported the idea of a Jewish nation, but for some reason, after 1967, most all of the presidents that we've had have come out very strongly in support of Israel and being pro-Israel. And this, is, this has become seeped into US politics now.
1: And we have John Hagee to thank for some of that.
0: Absolutely. there, Particularly after 1967, there was a lot of literature that was uh, published by Christian authors, uh, Christian speakers, Christian preachers, about Israel and about the end times, uh, this is where you get like the Left Behind series, the Late Great right. Planet Earth, stuff like that, becomes very popular, and so it seeps into it seeps into modern evangelical culture. Um, nowadays, many people they can't think about evangelicalism without associating with Zionism. You know, there's such there's uh, there's a marriage between evangelicalism and Christian Zionism that has developed in America.
1: So here's what um, I'll say about are, are, are we? Getting... I'm done. Okay, I'm done. all right. So so here's here's where we. I,
2: I just thank you, Ryan. Yeah, good thank job. you. I, okay. that history degree's really paying off, huh? <laughs> you know, like I, our, I took no classes art, art, art. about Israel. In, in, uh... No, no, but I can tell that you like you like history. You got a good way of kind of compiling the information and then communicating it. So oh, thank I you. just I just want to acknowledge that. Thank you. Israel, a Little, little house historian now for the house that. heretic. Sure.
1: Well, here's the thing. Um, you can't uh, shy away from the fact, and you didn't, but it's so closely tied to America and American politics and American, uh, popular American eschatology at yeah. different points in time, right? And um, I think that the most problematic part of it is that Zionism elevates a people group and nation above others, mm. which is something that... Okay, I'm a hot take here. This is something that America has no problem doing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And so, if Israel is to be elevated, well, we're going with them, right? So here we stand, America and Israel, and the, but it's interesting that they developed that theology um, because it's not the theology of the kingdom, and I think that that's the biggest problem with Christian Zionism is if we look at like the idea of you and Gellion and this declar- declaration that God's kingdom is here and that the messianic king is a ruler of it, um, then Israel matters just as much as Palestine, just as much as Ireland, as America. Nobody's exceptional at that point. Everybody is in need of the kingdom of God to come where they are. And so, that's not the message of Christian Zionism. It is that this people group needs to be elevated and pushed forward. And it's actually a little bit degrading. It can be degrading because really the only interest at that point in the people is their ability or their role, basically as pawns to move the story that we we've adopted or that people have adopted the Tim LaHaye story forward. Right? So it's actually reductionist of who the people of Israel are. It can be.
2: No, they're God's chosen people. That's why, Johnny. It's not to move anything forward. It's because the Bible tells us that they're God's chosen people. There are
1: many that uh, you know, were formerly anti-Semitic that are part of this movement that now are like, oh, pro-Israel, but... Because
2: they got saved and they realized that they're God's chosen people, Johnny.
1: But the, the only reason there is that they're useful insofar as Bring the kingdom of God faster. No, they're God's chosen which a, people. Which is a gross misunderstanding of what the kingdom of God is. It's not just, you know,
0: and that's a misunderstanding of who God's people are.
1: Right, right, and they're, that's the fundamental. That's the other thing about like being grafted in in the gospel.
2: Right, uh, and I think we see it in 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 Paul's ministry and 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 in the early church that there's this this shift that happens with Christ that. You know, there, there, there is an emphasis in, under the old covenant. Obviously, there is an emphasis on Israel, but that's completely shattered in the new covenant. Right. You know, there's, there's the church, which you know, as you're describing earlier, I do think we're all in agreement with the idea that the church is the new Israel. It's the, the or at least the true or, Israel. Like, yeah, and and this is, uh, the church is God's chosen people, and it's very clear. That every tribe, every tongue, every nation, you know, is is represented in the body of Christ. So, um, yeah, it's a little
0: yeah. I I just want to quickly clarify. I don't think we believe that the church replaces Israel, but rather that the church is was the true Israel all along, and that the nation of Israel was a foreshadowing of that or or a physical manifestation of that in the Old Testament. So I just want to clarify. We don't believe in like a replacement theology where the church replaces Israel or anything like that. Like the church has always been uh, those those who have faith in God. Are the children of Abraham, right? That's what uh, that's what Paul says, right?
2: Well, and it, it, isn't that kind of the picture of of being grafted in? Is it's mm-hmm. not it's yeah. not a replacement. Right. It's hey, this was just a piece of it. Right. Here's the full picture. Yeah. Um, and and so I do think that's important to understand. Um, but yeah, it, it gets us into a lot of like political and theological weeds, um, when when we think this way
1: yeah yeah i just think it's problematic because it doesn't see i don't think it sees people or it can it can become a thing where we don't see people as whole people you know it's like the palestinians are reduced in in their identity you know as the anti-israel people israel israel israelis are reduced in their identity as the people that are going to make Christ come back, you know, yeah. and,
2: and America's elevated to the people who are going to help them.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. And uh, we're the heroes in the story that come alongside them. And so, um, I think that nations are just that they're just nations and that, that God is, is, you know, willing and, and and wants to rescue people from every tribe, tongue, people and nation. And so I think there are some people who would hear me say some of this stuff and say, Oh, he's anti-Semitic." Believe it or not, you know, there's many in the in the movement of Christian Zionism who would say, Well, that's just a subtle form of anti Semitism. And uh it's just not the case, you know. Like like I would much rather um gosh, I don't I gotta be careful, I don't wanna call out organizations, but I would much rather when I was part of Operation Mobilization, they had a camp um on the Sea of Galilee. Uh it was a a camp, you know, sharing the gospel, talking about Christ with Israeli children and um it was a really cool ministry you know i would much rather be a part of that there or anywhere else really in the world than um than like you know a political organization and and there there have been political organizations that have been made in the name of biblical thought and it's like it just gets very it's the, the waters get very muddy very quickly yeah.
2: right
0: another another thing that i i just want to emphasize about dispensationalism. Dispensationalism has been super important for the development of Christian Zionism. You cannot you cannot understand Christian Zionism without understanding dispensationalism. But you can be a dispensationalism you can be a dispensationalist and not be a Christian Zionist. Yeah. That would be a, a, a generalization that would be incorrect to make is that if you are a dispensationalist yeah. you are a Christian Zionist, that is not the case. But surely most every christian's honest i have ever encountered yeah. has been dispensationalist right. and, yeah. and i i have
1: spoken with uh, with people that you know i love dearly but they try to separate like uh, just try to separate in your mind the, the eschatology from you know the fact that we should just be christians should be pro israel and i'm like Christians should be pro everybody people. everybody you know like, <laughs> like so I think I mean there's a unless reason. you have that eschatology then th- then you can justify that but like so so you can't separate it from bad eschatology yeah. um I just think you know
2: neither jew nor greek like there's yeah yeah i mean the the, the way of christ does not emphasize or elevate any people group or any nation above another That's just not doesn't fit yeah. into a gospel framework.
1: So I'm big. I'm big on world missions. I love it. I love the idea that we could share this good news and be a witness to, uh, Jesus who, who we follow, uh, everywhere. So I love Israel. Yeah. I, you know, it's not that I support the nation state of Israel. I don't even, you know, I don't, I don't have allegiance to any nation on this planet. Um, I'm a you know, I'm an American citizen. That's it. But, <laughs> but uh, I don't. I don't have allegiance to anything other than Christ and His kingdom.
0: Nice.
2: Sound like a socialist to me. <laughs> 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 Sound like a socialist liberal freak.
0: Yeah, you Marxist, coffee drinking Starbucks drinking Marxist.
2: So I think the real uh, takeaway is. Uh, uh, Love everybody? Love
1: everybody. Uh, Especially
0: the Jews. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) And
1: I want to get a T-shirt. We should get a T-shirt as part of our merch. Eschatology matters. It does. I think that there was a time where Revelation was just so spooky and weird for people that they were just like, yeah, I'll just read Left Behind instead. You know, and it's like um, it's really caused a a lot of problems. The spillover of bad eschatology is is so detrimental and so i would encourage you not that we're the arbiters of truth necessarily but but go back and (laughs) listen to um go back and listen to our eschatology series um how we read our bibles and understanding genres and all that kind of stuff is so important um to 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 all of this
2: yeah for sure no, I, and I think, you know, most of the New Testament, as far as genre, is pretty straightforward. I mean, we have like the Gospels and Acts, and then we have a bunch of letters, and it's like, yeah, um, Revelation is certainly in the New Testament... I think as far as like structure and, you know, as far as apocalyptic literature, like that is the thing we are the most far removed from, like his, right. fr- as far as having like a historical understanding of how they would have understood it.
1: Right. And and, and this is like almost becomes a whole separate podcast. But we, because of that, we also don't recognize that genre in the Old Testament when it comes up. Yeah. Because it's already it's already established for us many times in the Old Testament Um and we don't know that we don't know how to recognize so,
2: it. So don't just read your Bible, but study it. Yeah. And uh, and 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 study it well.
1: In BioProject.com. Sorry, you, I just love the, the Bioproject. Like
2: <laughs> yeah, not should. a sponsor. <laughs> Maybe they should be. Uh, so yeah, there you go. We're gonna we're gonna jump on the after show and chat a little bit more. So if you're a patron, you can join us there. If not, then become one and join us there. It's gonna be great. Uh any any closing thoughts though? No. Alright. Well, Ryan, go ahead. Ya
0: yeet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you keep that in? <laughs> Oof.